You've survived the worst. Trauma, loss, rejection. The reality is, your pain can be a crutch, or it can be the thing that launches you. You're listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience true freedom and breakthrough. Tune in each week as guests share their incredible life lessons from their personal stories and hear from experts who can give you the tools you need to stop surviving and start thriving. Here to help you find purpose through your pain is your host, Joseph James. Hey everyone, welcome to another great show of Purpose Through Pain podcast. I have an amazing host, a self-love host here today, Jonathan Truen. He is a self-love mentor, a life mastery coach, and creator of the Self-Love Revolution, and we're going to talk about that very soon. He is also the co-founder of the Austin-based Mindfulness Center, Austin Yoga Tree. Jonathan has spent over 20 years in the entertainment industry, but at some point in time in his life during all that, he found himself being unhappy, and we're going to dive in deep to that today and let Jonathan tell you guys where where he was at and what he's doing now that is revolutionizing the industry. Jonathan, thank you so much for and welcome to the show. Oh man, I am so happy to be here, Joseph. Thank you so much. Jonathan, it is just an absolute pleasure to know what you're doing and, and knowing that you came from, you know, doing something that you liked, but yet in the midst, and this kind of, we all find ourselves in this at some point in time in our life. We, we're doing something that we feel makes us happy, but yet we're not happy. Yeah, you know, here's the thing, especially in, in this world, you know, and, and you know, you're talking about purpose through pain. And a lot of people have these, these really difficult stories. They've been through tragedies, um, whether it's some sort of accident, some sort of health issue, some sort of sexual uh, abuse that happened as a child. Uh, all, we hear all kinds of, and I've worked with people, all kinds of just stories that, that for me are unimaginable. I can hold space for them, but I don't know what it's like. My life was great. You know, my parents were divorced, but I was loved by both my parents. They were both in my life, loving family. Like, I, it was really weird for me because I didn't think anything was supposed to be wrong because I had a normal, happy, middle-class life. Always food on the table, went to summer camps. You know, we did fun things. So, you know, I make it out to, to Los Angeles, to Hollywood, and and things are, are going great. I mean, on paper, it looked like a, a great life. I come from a great childhood. I went to, you know, a decent college, I went to Syracuse University. It's just, you know, it's a decent school. Um, and I make my way out to, to LA and I, I, I loved music and concerts. So I created a company. <laughs> my first career was radio, but then I created a company so I could go see bands, uh, <laughs> go see concerts and interview bands. It was called LA Live. It was one of the first online streaming companies on the internet, great success. Um, and I'm interviewing, you know, my idols and the biggest stars in the world. I ended up transitioning into TV. So now I'm producing TV shows. So like I was single at the time. So ego wise, it's great. You go on a date and what do you do? I'm a, I'm a producer. So all the outside stimuli yeah. felt good. I got the accolades. Right. But I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm living three blocks from the beach. I can see the sun set out my window. 
and I'm miserable. Yeah. And I'm going, this makes no sense. My life is good. Happy childhood. Um, you know, I, I'm in Hollywood. <laughs> the beach is right there. Uh, I, I'm meeting great people. Like, what the F is wrong with me? Right. You had all the physical attributes of being happy, but not the internal. Yeah. And I realized that something had to change, that that success was not how it was taught to me. Yeah. Um, it took me a long time to figure out what success was. Um, but I totally had a had to redefine my relationship with me, my relationship with others, my relationship with success, my relationship to the world, my relationship with everything. Yeah. Because it, it's not what I was taught. What were you taught success was? Looking back, I, I, I couldn't have told you this at the time, but looking back, this is what I was taught about success. And then I think what, this is what most of us are taught about success. If you work hard, mm -hmm. then you will be successful. Yeah. And if you're successful for long enough, then you can be happy. Right. And of course, so we all work really hard and some don't get successful, even though they're working really hard, but a lot do. And they, they become VPs and they, and they're, you know, have their six figures in the bank or seven figures in the bank. But the weird thing is that happiness doesn't come. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the definition of the midlife crisis. Right. That's what the midlife crisis crisis is i'm successful i can buy all the big cars i can buy all the big houses i can do go anywhere i want but uh, this ain't filling me up yeah that's the midlife crisis which of course these days because everything's faster it's a it's a quarter life crisis that is a right. term by the way quarter life crisis because mm. we're working hard we're successful but not happy that equation is wrong work hard then you'll be successful then you'll be happy what i discover is the real equation is simply the reverse. And, and I want to be clear. Um, I'm the son of, of, of two teachers. I'm a big fan of education. Uh, I believe everyone's doing what they believe is right. It's just, they taught me Pluto as a planet. Yeah. It's not. Um, they taught me an electron was the smallest, um, you know, part of a particle or whatever yeah. you know i don't know the science speak but it's not there are neutrinos and now they think it might be smaller stuff so they were just wrong so that was a wrong equation that they they taught you lovingly here's the equation be happy first yeah be happy first when you are happy you are successful yeah because absolutely. isn't that why you're working so goddamn hard in the first place sorry yeah. i didn't mean to use Laura's name in That's vain <laughs> but isn't that why you're working so hard yeah yeah, to be happy. Absolutely. So be happy, be happy first, then you're already successful. Yeah. And, and see, this is where people get it wrong. Well, if you're successful, you're not going to work hard. No, when you are successful, it is so much easier to show up and work hard and contribute to society in the way that's meaningful and that you want to, and you're supposed to like four hour work week. And, and look, I'm not putting Tim Ferriss down, big fan. Um, but people say, you know, wouldn't you rather work less? No, are you kidding me? I want to work more. Now, yes, I want time with my son. I want time with my wife. I want time with my family. Yeah. But if I could coach people and teach people self-love more, boom. You know, I don't want, I do not want a four-hour work week, man. Yeah. I, I want to be helping people all day 
long right. because I'm happy and therefore I'm successful. Yeah. So then it's what makes us happy. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this kind of ties into identity, right? You know, I grew up like you work hard, work hard, work hard. And then eventually by the time you're in your fifties, late fifties, you'll be able to retire maybe even later than that. And you'll have what you need. But of course, again, I saw my parents work their butts off to raise four kids and their, their marriage wasn't happy. My dad was an abusive individual. Okay. There wasn't happiness within the family. And both my parents were working, you know, my mom worked up until pretty much until she was hospitalized, which she died at an early age of 59. Okay. And then my dad lived to 72. Um, but ultimately when you, when you put success before happiness, of course we get burnt out because mm -hmm. we're doing it for what we're doing it yeah. for the long-term goal that we're still 20 years to go possibly, you know, we, 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 we overwork ourselves. We put that at the cost. We become slave to money and we ultimately put that at the cost of our family. Now I'm going to share a little personal story just with things and I'm going to tie this into identity because of what you're saying is my wife, before she ever passed away, she was going to stop teaching, own her own bakery and raise the kids, homeschool the kids. Well, I'm like, okay, well, you're making 45, 50,000 a year. I need to replace it. So I'm going to work, 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 work. But what I didn't realize what I was doing is the time that I was spent grinding the will is time I wasn't spent with my family. And I did not realize how much time I didn't have to spend with somebody or I had to spend with somebody until they were long, no, no longer there. And that was when my wife passed. I thought I was doing what I was raised to do, provide for my kids, provide for my family. And that's what made me unhappy. But here's the thing. When we are striving so much, and I'm sure you did this at a point in time, you're in the entertainment, everything's going great. That's your identity until you realize yeah. it wasn't your identity. The identity comes in the happiness. So if you lose the job, if a crisis hits, if a pandemic hits, whatever the case is, you just like up and say, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. You still have your identity because you've already found that everything else is just, well, it's just a job. And I can move from one profession to the next and not worry about it because I got who I am. I, I know who I am inside. Yeah. And it, look, it's really, really hard to change that. Um, you know, I, I stayed in the business too long because I'm like, well, what else am I going to do? I, right. This is what I've been doing my whole life. And look, I have friends who oh, I love dearly. They're still in the business, but they're not loving it. Yeah. They just don't know how, how to leave it. And look, I, I get, I was lucky enough. I did nothing for a year. I just quit. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I, 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 and eventually I figured it out, but and I was lucky enough to be able to do nothing for a year. I understand not everyone has that. Um, but yeah, your identity gets fully wrapped up with it. I mean, look, when I, when I had the, the, the company LA Live, um, which was the, the first online company to broadcast a series of concerts, right? And we wired up all of LA and, and, you know, from the teeny venues, the Whiskey Roxy to Dodger Stadium, we were, we were broadcasting all the concerts. Um, people knew so many people at, at the venues, the bands, everyone knew who my partners and I were, but they didn't know our names. We were the LA Live guys. Yeah. We would be backstage at a concert and they'd be like, hey, look, the LA Live guys are here. You know, they wouldn't know we we're gonna be like, hey, the LA Live guys are here. They didn't even know our names. Right. That was our identity. Right. 
when I wasn't, the, even when I when I shifted into television, like I wasn't the LA Live guy anymore. It was, was kind of weird. Now I'm doing this thing. But yeah, we get wrapped in up. We get wrapped up in it. And the first thing we're asked is, you know, what do you do? But what someone really means is what do you do to make money? Right. They're not asking, what do you do to have fun? Who are yeah. you? Who yeah. are you as a human being? What brings you joy? Like, how did that become the default? Not what's your hobby or what brings you joy. Right. But what do you do, abbreviated, to make money? Right. It's, and money's great. I'm not putting that down. Money, money makes life easier. Doesn't make you happy. Know a lot of unhappy rich people. I work with a lot of unhappy rich people who we switch things around once we see success differently. Yeah. So, so money's not the demon. Mon money is helpful, but it's not going to make you happy if right. you are already unhappy. Correct. And that's been proven. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So when you came to that decision, what happened when you're just like, okay, I'm not happy. I got to get out of this. I've got to go find, find yourself or I've got to make myself happy. What, take me through that. So if anyone listening knows Santa Monica, California, there, there's this, this park overlooking the ocean. It's called Palisades Park. Not everyone knows the name of the park. Just this long, thin, thin park, but long overlooking the ocean. I used to walk there all the time. Um, often I go down to the beach, but if I was too lazy to go down to the beach, I just walk the park. And in those days I, I listened to headphones because the world was a scary place for me and I had to shut it out. I, I don't, I'm not putting down people that, that wear headphones, listen to music podcasts. Um, I don't anymore because I invite the world in. But at those times, the, the stories in my head were too difficult for me. I didn't want to hear myself talk. You kidding me? Things right. I said to myself, oh my God. So I put on headphones to listen to great music um, to mask that out. And I'm listening to this song. It's by a band called Social Distortion. And look, I, I had interviewed the band. I had seen them live. We broadcast the concert. I, I, I listened to this song, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of times. I have no idea. Not the first time I've heard, I heard it, but the first time I heard it. Right. Yeah. And the line was, you can run all your life, but not go anywhere. Mm. And I've stopped. And, and, and what I haven't shared with you in a part of my story is I moved to Den from Boston, I moved to Denmark. From Denmark, I moved to Spain. From Spain, I moved to LA, the middle of LA. From LA, I moved to Santa Monica, 11th Street. It's over a mile from the beach, way too far. So when I got another job, which meant more money, I moved to Third Street. So now I'm at Third Street. Um, and then I hear that and I'm going, oh my God. I thought I was going to places yeah. to seek out new adventures and right. live great lives. And what I realized was I was running from myself. Wow. Because that was the only commonality in all these places. I still, I, you know, you, you first go and you feel great. But once that begins to wear off, everything becomes regular. The stories come back in your head. Yeah. So I learned that I was running from myself. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm running myself. And I was like, what's wrong with me? So I went on this journey to figure out what was wrong with me. And I'm happy to go through the whole journey with you. But I don't know how much time we got. But what I discovered... Anybody. 
at the end of the journey, you can ask me any questions about the journey, but I'll give you what I discovered at the end of the journey of what was wrong with me. Nothing was wrong with me. I didn't need to fix myself. I thought something was wrong with me and I needed to be fixed because I wasn't good enough because I lived on Third Street. And when I lived on Third Street, and I'm telling this is the truth, I believed that when I would, because when I walked to the ocean, I'd pass Second Street, I'd pass Ocean, then you walk down the stairs and then there are all these houses that, that are literally on the beach. They'd have pools too. So there's the, the pool and then there's the sand and then there's the ocean. And there was that house right, right there. I can still picture it. So when I live in that house, then I can be happy. Right. Postponing happiness like you were talking about before. So in my walk from Third Street to the ocean, or even if I just went to the park, I'm passing all these houses that says, you're not good enough because look at all these people on Second Street, Jonathan, you suck. Look at all these people on Ocean. They don't have a, a, another house or apartment in their way that, you know, I saw the, the, the sunset out of my apartment, but you know it was through a corner of the window. There was still an, another apartment I saw right out the window also. So how do I get the view without the apartment? So it's just, it was all comparison. And I knew when I was like that person there wow. that was more successful than I was, then I could be happy. But of course, I had reached so many, so many, what's the right word? Um, I don't know, step, stone, step stone, stones of success. I would make a goal. Yeah. I'd achieve the goal. Yeah. I was supposed to be happy. As soon as I achieved the goal, I realized there were other people still more successful than I was. So I go, okay, I achieved this goal. Let me set a new goal. I would achieve the goal. I mean, I'm not saying I achieved every goal. Lots of failures, folks. So, so don't let the story tell you that there are no failures. Lots of failures too. But I achieved the goal. Supposed to be happy. Yeah. All right, let me set another goal. So it just went, went on like this until I realized there was nothing wrong with me. I could be like I was and I didn't have to be like that other person there. And that was like mind blown, seriously, mind blown that it was okay to be me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that's the things that, you know, I run into a lot with, you know, when I'm coaching people, especially females that have lived in relationships where they've been told something about them that was never true. And so ultimately they begin to believe the lie, you know, yeah. and they start, the ultimate lie that we've all believed is to be successful, we have to make a lot of money, mm -hmm. you know? And, but of course, what is a lot of money? Well, a lot of money to one person could be 50 grand a year. Uh, to another could be 50 million a year. You know, so what is a lot of money? We just keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on. It's a vicious cycle of just ultimately what we've learned to believe to be the right thing, kind of like what you were saying about Pluto and the electrons. With love, everybody was sharing, Pluto's a planet, you know? And I'm like, my kid's like, Dad, Pluto's not a planet. I'm like, since when? It was when I was a kid, you know? But it's it's ultimately the, um, what we, what has been spoken into us you know, that we believe to be true instead of what's already inside of me. What's already, yeah. in, what's already inside of me that I can just let flourish. Part of the problem is that we're taught from a very young age not to be ourselves. And mm. even in a way not to be human. 
So the not to be ourselves, that comes out is see those other kids on the playground, see how they're behaving. Why can't you behave? Yeah. Wow. Well, that's a piece of it. And then, and, and parents do that to each other. When, and, and look, you know, I catch myself sometimes too with my wife and, and it's like, look how, look, look how those kids are. And, and, you know, why isn't our son doing like that in this moment? Of course, our son is amazing. But all kids, you know, they test the boundaries and they're just playing and, you know, and just because I'm tired and don't want to play doesn't mean it's not fun and funny. Because if I really get out of my head that I'm tired, what he's doing is really funny. Yeah. But yeah. just don't do it now. And look at those other kids. <laughs> um, right. So, but, but they hear that and they know that. Yeah. Um, so I really work hard ne never to say that. And here, here are the other things that were taught. You ever been told, don't cry? Yes, I was getting ready to say it. Don't yeah. cry. You ever been taught, don't be afraid? Mm -hmm. Or even worse than those, same idea, but there's nothing to cry about or yeah. there's nothing to be afraid about. Right. Those are lies because if someone is crying, there is something to cry about. Yeah. Now, I might disagree. I might think that's a stupid thing to cry about, right? That, that you know... You know, I'm just picturing my son that 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 the thing with the sand and it dropped and the plastic broke. We can make another one. We can buy another. You know, like so many things are easy, but that was something to cry about for him. Yeah. And it yeah. wasn't. It it was major for him. Right. My job is to understand that that's major for him and hold space for his sadness. Yeah. So that when real sadness comes along, I mean that was real sadness. But when something big comes along, someone dies. They don't have to bury themselves in work. They can experience it. There's lots to be afraid about. It, it, you know, it is scary to for many to pick up the phone and make a cold call, to go for a job interview, to pitch a new company, entrepreneurs, you know, you're gonna pitch an investor. Well, who says don't be afraid? Be afraid. Yeah. Absolutely. I tell people, like a lot of people say be fearless. I'm not in the be fearless group. I'm in the be very afraid group. Yeah, because if you're not afraid, you're not doing anything important. Right. Be afraid. Practice courage. Courage is a skill. It's not a trait. It's a skill. A skill can be practiced, and you can get better at it. Practice the skill of courage, and do it anyway. Yeah, and then see what happens. But be afraid, man. Fear, one of the biggest motivators for me. I know. If I'm, I, I used to be, to be clear, run away from fear. Mm -hmm. that's scary don't want this find safety now i see fear and i go wow something amazing is about to happen if i have the courage to experience fear yeah which is uncomfortable right, and like tony robbins says you know yeah how, how does he phrase it the quality of your life is based on on your relationship with with, uh, he says it better, but but with uncomfortable sensations, right? Yeah. You, you have to feel the difficult sensations, right? The unknown. Uh, when we can be comfortable with the unknown, when we, we can be comfortable with those difficult sensations, whoa, they become the 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 guiding light, right? For us, right? The, what, what do they call the the spotlights on the ocean the, on the oceans where they have the spotlight at the at the edge? Um, yeah, embrace all that. But we tell people by saying, don't be sad. And I still, I hear parents say it to, I did the other day, um, 
uh, you know, I'm in Texas, so it, it, you know, it's just beginning to get cool here. We're at the pool and, and someone was saying to their son, he was four years old. He said, four-year-olds don't cry. Four-year-old boys, sorry. He said, four-year-old boys don't cry. And I just wanted to jump out of the pool and give that kid a hug. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. But these are the messages we're telling people by saying that what you're really saying is don't be human because there's not a single human on this planet that doesn't cry and that isn't afraid, that doesn't get angry. That's another one. Don't be angry. Can you, yeah. do you know anyone that's never been angry? Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Be angry. Now, yeah. what do you do with it? Don't punch somebody. Okay. Right. Uh, don't break something. Um, you know, but I don't know. Things piss me off. Yeah. Now I just have to note it. Oh, huh. This anger inside of me. That's what how Thich Nhat Han, when he doesn't know me, but he's one of my teachers. Um, you know, he 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 doesn't say I am angry. He says there's anger inside of me. Mm. So oh, there's anger inside of me. Well, what what happens if I just notice it? What happens if I love the part of me that's angry and have compassion for that part of me that has anger? Yeah. Now that's self love. Yeah. That's transformational. Absolutely. And then you don't have to beat anybody up. Right. <laughs> you just recognize it. You know, and I've done some therapy over the last year. Um, one particular one called RIM, uh, Regenerating Images Through Memory, uh, Dr. Deborah Sandella. And it's basically taking what we imagine on certain circumstances, the imagery that our brain creates, you know, and just allowing feelings to come and then allowing them to go. You know, and there's absolutely, instead of someone like you said, you know, I remember my dad saying, you better be crying because you're hurt or you're bleeding. Otherwise, you don't need to be crying. And yeah. so I had to learn as a kid, you don't cry, you know? And then, of course, I am a faith-based person. So when I'm in church one day and a pastor tells me, he says, son, it's okay to cry. And I'm like, it is? I don't want to cry. I've been told not to cry. I've been told half my life not to cry, you know? And I catch myself sometimes even telling my, my I have a three-year-old not to cry. But then I'm like, oh. No, man, just, it's okay. Just because like you said, just because I don't see it as a reason to cry doesn't mean that he doesn't, you know? Because when I take him to childcare and he's crying for daddy because he doesn't want me to leave, there's no reason for me to say, son, don't cry. Because basically what I'm telling him is, don't feel that way. You're wrong for feeling that way. When ultimately he's feeling abandoned. He's feeling rejection. They just don't know how to process it at the age of three, but that's ultimately yeah. what it is. It's rejection. He feels rejected that daddy's leaving him. Now in my reasonable mind, I know I'm not rejecting him. I'm coming back to pick you up, son, but you, I've got to let him process that information. However, he's going to process it. You know, for him, it's carrying around his little monkey and blanket. That's okay. You know, now I don't want you to carry around that thing until you're 20, but it's okay right now, you know? And ultimately, you know, that, so that led you, once you started to understand that, where did that lead you to? It led me to begin to really accept myself, to, to feel, right? You, you talked about, um, you know, feeling, and I didn't use that word before, and it's a really good word. We're telling people don't feel. Don't feel your emotions. Yeah. Of course, according to Harvard University, the research they've done, the number one predictor of success is not IQ, not test scores. It's emotional intelligence. Wow. You must learn how to feel yeah. if you are going to be successful. So it led me to learn 
how to feel. What does sadness feel like? Because especially if someone else is crying and you want to tell them, don't cry, it's not about them. When my son cries, I feel pain. Yeah. I don't want to feel that pain. So I'm telling him to stop crying so I don't feel pain. Right. I'm telling him, don't be angry because his toy broke or maybe we took it away or whatever because I don't want him to be angry. Yeah. But he needs to learn emotional intelligence if he's going to be successful. Yeah. So I always say, oh, it's okay to cry. Yeah. Oh, you're right. It's okay to be angry. And here's what's fascinating. Because I, I, I kind of, he's my best teacher. Now to be clear, I study him, but he also just teaches me. Yeah. It, when I let him cry, if I can find, if I can be with my discomfort and I can let him cry, often, not always, depends what it is, but often within 10 minutes, sometimes it takes about 10 minutes, he starts cracking up. It happened the other day. Yeah. He's crying and crying and I'm just sitting there on the bed, letting him cry. I'm here. If you want a hug, I got a hug. You need to cry. It's okay to cry. It was about something I would think is stupid, but you know, that, that's just me with a 54 year old mentality. Um, but to him, it was important. Let him cry. 10 minutes later, he starts cracking up and I go, what's so funny? And I go, Aren't you crying now? What's so funny? He goes, a funny thought popped into my head. Right. Right. And then he shared the thought with me. So if we can just let it play out, right? Um, then then it doesn't need to sit in our body. Yeah. Because when we don't cry, it sits in our body. And one day it's got to come out. This lifetime or next, maybe if you believe in multiple lives and all that stuff, you don't have to to do this work. Um, but yeah, what it led me to was to really begin to feel from feeling to begin to accept myself. Once I accepted myself, I began to like myself mm. a lot of the time. I'm not gonna tell you, I still don't have that voice in my head that says, hey, you're not good enough. Oh, that one's not gonna work. But I recognize the voice and I love that voice and I give that voice a big hug, right? It's a younger version of me that didn't feel the love it needed. I said, God, I see you, I know why you're afraid and it's okay to be afraid, you part of me. I don't know if you're all following this now, but I'm talking to myself. Oh, yeah. Hey, do you talk to yourself? Sidebar. I'm going to go back. Sidebar. When I found out that everyone else was talking to themselves, <laughs> I thought I was the only crazy one. It was the crazy <laughs> people on the street that were doing it out loud. Right. We knew they were crazy. <laughs> They're not. Uh, and me. And then I found out that everyone talks to themselves and everyone's got this voice. I'm like, really? Yeah. Wow. So, so now, so I have these conversations with myself. Mm -hmm. So I, I accepted myself. I began to like myself. Yeah. And eventually, once I found the final missing ingredient of self-love, self-love is, give me the rundown, is acceptance, basically what we've been talking about. It's gratitude. Yeah. Then I found this third piece. This is, this is what unlocked the door. The most important skill you've never been taught forgiveness found forgiveness i have a daily forgiveness practice now daily wow i was brought I, i'm jewish so i was brought up okay you know with, with yom kippur is once a year and that's the holiday forgiveness yep. of course i actually a rabbi is a part of the summit 
And, oh, awesome. and there, there is, there is a daily forgiveness prayer, which yes. I, I did learn about, but when I was studying forgiveness, I learned about it. Um, even before I learned from the rabbi, before he mentioned it. Um, but I didn't learn that growing up. I don't know why they didn't teach you that part of it. And, and they don't teach you what forgiveness is. Right. If you do hear about forgiveness, I, I didn't learn about forgiving the right way. I can tell you that. But when I really learned about forgiveness, that then unlocked the door from acceptance to liking myself, to loving myself. Yes. Let's just say a lot of the time, okay. Um, but more this year than last year, way more than 10 years ago. And I suspect since it's a skill, self-love is a skill. It can be practiced. If you practice it like piano, basketball, whatever, whatever you're practicing, you painting, you practice, you get better at it. Writing, you practice, you get better at it. Self-love is a practice. I suspect next year I'll be much better at it. The year after, the year after, the year after. And is it going to get better at it? Perfect? Eh, probably not. Right. But that that's not a goal of mine. Yeah. I accept right. myself as I am, my imperfections. And, and when I make mistakes, which I do every day, <laughs> instead of beating myself up at the end of the day, which I used to, yeah. I could have a great successful day, interviewed all these amazing people, but I, I, I said one stupid thing or one thing didn't go wrong or someone didn't return my call. All I'd focus on was that. Yeah. Oh man, that, that part messed up. I'd erase all the successes. No longer now, I make a mistake. I forgive myself for it. Mm -hmm. True story, right? I just interviewed, before you, I interviewed amazing woman, Forbes Riley. Well-known, Every, everyone knows who she is. I sent her the wrong link. Oh my goodness. So two things about this. One is, I sent her Stormy Wellington's link. Oh, no way. So, so two things. One is we were in two rooms. So I'm waiting for her thinking, man, she's blowing me off. What's going on? Um, she's waiting for me. Like what happened to this guy? Come on. We just said, we're going to, going to connect. Uh, Cause we would just been talking to each other. Said we're going to talk in 15 minutes. Okay. I'm waiting for her. She's waiting for me. And she's in a room with someone else's name on it. Another very famous person. So the old me would be beating myself up. Jonathan, how could you do that? How could you be so stupid? All that stuff. Now, John, that was a mistake. Be careful with your links, dude, whatever. But hey, it's cool. Everyone makes mistakes. Have you ever gotten a wrong? Has someone sent you a wrong link, Jonathan? Yeah, of course. Are you ever going to send a wrong link again? Uh, yeah, probably. So let's go light on yourself because that's what we would do to a friend, right? If I'm sharing that story with you, you would probably say, oh, Jonathan, dude, I got you. I know that, that must have felt, uh, I, I feel you, right? And that's what I'd say to a friend. So I just treat me like a friend. And I say, I forgive you, Jonathan. And then I celebrate all the successes. Man, it was a great interview. Everybody, watch watch that. Um, yeah. And I realized I said this summit. You guys probably have no idea what I'm talking about. It, it, it's the Self-Love Revolution Summit, which Joseph is also a part of. So I hope you go to it, selfloverevolutionsummit.com. Okay, there, there's my plug. It's amazing. We have amazing people. Um, but yeah, so... Forgiveness and celebration. That's how I end my day now. Awesome. That's it's so amazing because as I was going through, you know, my father died January the 5th of 2019. 22 days later, my wife passed away. Okay. And then of course, about 45 days later, my baby, which was only a year at the time that his, when his mom passed away, just, you know, a few months later, he's now in the hospital fighting for his life. And 
I'm going through this, I'm sharing things on social media, and I've always got a smile on my face, I'm always encouraging people, but yet, in this, and I'm still grieving in my own times, I'm still grieving at times, just crying on social media, you know? And I kept on getting these questions, people kept on asking me, like, how do you remain so joyful and so happy through all of this? And at the time, I wasn't thinking what I was doing, but about 10 months later, it was November, Thanksgiving time frame, I did a video and I shared four keys that what I was doing but one thing, I've actually kind of combined the fourth key as one, and then I integrated one that I was not doing until over two years later when I realized when I started to go through a new relationship with somebody. And one thing that I had not been doing is I would ask God for forgiveness, but I had never forgiven myself. And this goes the all key. the way back to me as a child dealing with Abusive dad, dealing with rejection, neglect, abandonment, seeking approval, and all those things, the rejection itself, even as a kid, stemmed into me as a young adult when it came to females. I didn't want to go out on a date or even ask somebody out on a date because I didn't like the word no, because it was rejection. Because that word no made me feel like what my dad was saying to me, and then it stemmed into what? entrepreneurship. I was horrible at sales. Why? Because I didn't want to face the fact that I had to ask something that could be a yes or a no question because I didn't want to hear the word no. And so all those things. And then when I got to that point, like what you're talking about, Jonathan, is when I realized, like, man, okay, you've been asking God your whole life to forgive you, but you've never forgiven yourself. The moment I started realizing that, then my mindset behind all of those things begin to change. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel the rejection. I didn't, doesn't mean that I wasn't in a scenario that somebody would reject me. But I'm like, I don't have to look at it the way I did. I was blaming myself for all those things. And when I begin to say, you know what, Joseph? I forgive you for all these things. I forgive you for thinking of that way. I forgive you for not doing this. I forgive you. All those things in my mind changed. That now it's just like what you said. When you send the wrong link, when you send Stormy's link, you know, uh, it's like, hey, not a big deal. I'm not perfect. I don't have to beat myself up because I'm forgiven. I forgive myself for making the mistake because I'm going to make another mistake and probably in about five minutes. <laughs> yeah, right? You know? <laughs> and, and here's here's the thing, at least for me, um, you know, I always tried to be a kind person, but I was certainly very judgmental. Yeah. Uh, and what forgiveness of myself did for me was it allowed me to be more accepting of others. Mm. So when others make mistakes, I can go, ah, they made a mistake. They're doing the best they can. Things that would really piss me off in the old days. Like, why can't you get this right? Right. You know, now it's like, and, and beyond that, you know, we have a mindfulness center here in Austin and, you know, we teach yoga and, and mindfulness. And, you know, I remember, you know, I, I was taught even in the yoga world, it's like, you know, you have to have control of the class. So, so it's, so it's safe. People have to listen to you. Otherwise um, it could be unsafe for them if, if, if they're not listening. So if someone wasn't listening, I, I would in a way take it personally. I, I, I'd also make up the story. And I mean, part of it is true that while I am keeping them safe, if they do it wrong, they're unsafe. It's not that it wasn't true. But what I realized over the years, and I teach totally differently now, 
I did not know how much trauma there was inside of people. I didn't know it. Yeah. Um, I've forgiven myself, by the way, and I, I thank the students that that have allowed me to discover it. And I apologize to the students that you know had had the old me, although I had to be that in order to get here. But I, I, I know now if someone's not listening to me and you think a yoga studio comes in, everyone's you know, kind and happy, but you, know, you, you, get the, you get the odd client as well that gets really pissed off about something because they haven't done yoga yet, right? So they've just been through trauma. Yeah. They're traumatized from something that probably happened 30 years ago um, and they're blaming themselves or maybe they're blaming someone else, but it's unprocessed trauma. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's, you know, and, and, you know, I shared, you know, my life was good, but there was still unprocessed trauma. I I didn't know that, you know, because, you know, someone yelled at me, I was bullied at school, all that kind of stuff, you know, but these are like, well, regular things, siblings fight with each other, right? Sibling rivalry, there's a name for it. Um, Bullying just happens. And I was on the other side of it. So, okay. But now when I look at those, I, I understand okay, I wasn't sexually molested and I didn't have a tragic accident and I, I don't have cancer. Um, but the experiences that I, I, I did have, that I do have are, are mine and what they have, and I don't know what it is, I discovered that a lot of it's more, there's a lot more of the tragic stuff than you would imagine. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah. One, one out of four was the stats that I was taught. I don't know. Not, not those coming in front of me. I'm just saying. So we have to have more compassion for someone that's struggling. When someone's struggling, instead of getting pissed off at them right away, we have to begin to understand that they're going through something really difficult inside and we don't know what it is. That's right. That's right. And they don't know what it is either. Chances are. Exactly right. That's that's key. That you so that. when we see that in ourselves, which includes forgiveness, because I think to me, the trauma and forgiveness were very connected. Um, when we can accept ourselves and even the past versions of ourselves, we can we can hold space for others more lovingly and kindly. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, when we can accept ourselves, it, it, it's it's an understanding of it's okay not to be okay. It's, yeah. it's okay to go through the things that we go through in life, you know, and as much as we don't want people to stay there, we don't want to stay in the funk. We can encourage people, but there's no time period on it. There is no, if you, if you grieve for two years because you lost a spouse, then grieve for two years. I encourage people to get out of it, you know, but everybody processes emotions differently. And I'd rather know that somebody's still processing things versus just I've suppressed everything. And I think there's a big difference. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting you say that. So at the beginning of the pandemic, right? So we're talking a year and a half or so ago, I, I, I sent out an email to, to you know, to my list. Um, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. And kind of share what you were sharing. But then I noticed some people were loving it. The introverts, right? We don't have to talk to people. <laughs> I can be at home. 
oh, no more meetings. I get right. to spend more time with my kids, right? All these, and other people were launching businesses because now they had time to, like people were killing it. Yeah. So I had to send out another email. It's okay to be great right now. Yeah. Even if others are suffering. Yeah. And then I had to send out a third one, which said, it's okay to be neutral. There you go. It's okay Good. not to be sad and depressed right now. So you know, it's okay if you are sad and depressed, and it's okay if you're not. It's okay to be killing it. It's okay if you're not. And it's okay to just, just be here in the middle somewhere, not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. So, Jonathan, along your journey, as you went from place to place, you went from Denmark to Spain to L.A. Uh, to Santa Monica, you're starting to realize things that, hey, this isn't, it's not me. There's nothing wrong with me. Okay. How did that lead you into where you're at now and what you're doing with self-love revolution? So at the, I mentioned the yoga studio, the mindfulness center. So I, I also taught a life mastery course there. So it was more yoga for the mind. It was, it was, you know, it was regular coaching, right? It was group coaching. I had been doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching. I said, Let, let's, let's bring this to the studio. So I was doing group coaching there. Um, and I'd always start off with a similar question. We go around the room and I'd say, uh, you know, uh, cause I, at the beginning I had themes, but I realized sometimes the themes didn't work. And I had to gauge the room. I had to see what the universe was telling me. So I'd go around the room and I'd say, um, what goal do you have that you haven't achieved? Because at that point, I was still more like success and goals oriented. What goal do you have that you haven't achieved or what difficulty are you going through that this process could be helpful? And I remember it was a January, this particular time. And I remember that because there were twice as many people in the room because it's January. Right. That's when everyone comes out. So same thing, we're all in a circle, go around the room and about half the room uh, shared some version of, I wanna learn about self-love, I don't like myself, uh, I need to learn self-compassion, and I'm going. Now, I, at the beginning of my coaching, I didn't even know what this stuff was. But then I'd come across Louise Hay, learned some of her techniques, which didn't work at the beginning to be clear. I can share all that part of it, although I know we're running out of time, but eventually found forgiveness and, and, and you know, the acceptance, gratitude, forgiveness, and then self-kindness uh, and self-love. So I got the whole package together. Now it worked. Now, now I was figuring this out, yeah. but I was still like, well, self-love is kind of woo-woo, don't you think? So I was still, it's goals, success. What do you want to achieve in life? Because that's what I was taught about coaching. But then half the room is talking about self-love and compassion. And I was like, okay, universe. And I kind of, I was incorporating elements of it in, into my coaching, but not naming it. Right. I okay. didn't name it. I didn't okay. use those words. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, got it. Yeah. So I spent the next year developing a program called Self-Love Revolution. And the next January at that studio, Instead of having that group, I launched a self-love self -love revolution masterclass. It was just in person, just in the studio, nothing online. It was only in studio for the first couple of years. Um, and then some people like, you know, I can't make it, you know, every Sunday for, for 10 weeks. Yeah. So, you know, I said, all right, I'll figure out how to do it online. 
I didn't really want to do it online because I, I was in the online. I like I I was I had one of the first internet companies in the world, right? In 1995, we we, we started. You know, we were programming HTML 1.0. Um, like when you could have pictures, it was amazing. And then you could do audio. And then I started my company, um, you know, with partners. So I, I was hesitant, but I'm like, okay, we got to get this out. And honestly, I wanted to impact more people. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well known and respected in my community, my small little area, of, you know, Austin Yoga Tree, it's called. Okay, great. Um, but how can I have more impact? So I went, I went online and started doing it. And, you know, and then COVID came. So the one I did in January, instead of having it at the studio, um, I did it online. And about half the people were from the studio and half the people weren't from the studio. And lives were transformed. Like you see people, I'm not transforming them. I'm only a guide here, to be clear. I used to think as a coach, I would transform people. No, I'm just a, a guide here, but I can guide you to and through your transformation. Yeah. And I can hold space for that. Loving space, accepting space. And that's all we want is to be seen, heard, and understood. And then we can grow from there. Um, so that's what I did. And then, and then I said, you know, I've had this idea, you know, I mentioned it, you know, I come from the concert side, right? So I've had this vision for years of, of having like a, a Coachella type event for self-love, like bring all the amazing people of self-love, bands as well that, that you know, the folks from Incubus meditate and I used to work with them way back and, you know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers meditate and, you know, Lady Gaga is all about self-love. So I just had this vision of, you know, and then the pandemic hit, I'm like, let me just, you know, I, you know, at the time I'm like, I don't know if I want to fork over renting a whole venue right now. And I didn't have sponsors for it. And it's like, you know, I didn't know how to do it. And I didn't have enough cash in the bank just, just to, you know, I didn't have hundred grand to just do it on my own. So I said, let's do it online. And I hired a company for a lot less than hundred grand. <laughs> um, and just brought together these amazing people for this self-guard revolution summit, just so we can spread the word that you do not, you do not need to go through this cycle of depression and anxiety yeah. every day. You do not need to make a choice between business and personal life. You can enjoy your life, business, bank account all at the same time. Because mm -hmm. people say I have a business life, a personal life, or this life, or that, that life. No, you don't. You have one life, only one life. There are different parts of it, yeah. But you have one life. We need to bring love and self-love and self-compassion and joy to all parts of our lives. To be clear, so people think, well, that's kind of, you know, greedy, self-love. It's so that you can be kinder to others. That, that's the purpose. You don't have to live in the cycle of, of, of anxiety and depression. And then you can share joy with others. And then maybe they don't have to go through it. And that's what this is. And, you know, and you joined it. And your story is phenomenal. And, you know, and Corey Feldman joined it. And Stormy Wellington joined it. And, and, and uh, Forbes Riley joined it. And Christine Culley, the, the editor-in-chief of Highlights Magazine, joined it to, to share the children's perspective, what we can learn from children. In case, please join the summit, folks, selfloverevolutionsummit.com. But in case you don't, the number one thing from that interview and many others, listen more. Yeah. 
listen. If you have kids, listen to them. Um, Scott Shute, he, he just left, um, but for years he's been the head of mindfulness and compassion, listen, at LinkedIn. Can you believe a company as big, at link, as, in, as big as LinkedIn? Did you hear me stumble over those words? So old me would have been beating myself up right now. I'd look at the mirror tonight and I beat myself up because I stumbled over words. Now, no big deal. That's self-love in action, folks. Yes. But, but Scott Shute, right? LinkedIn has a head of mindfulness and compassion. Wow. Like that's huge. So there are people out there that are bringing this into the corporate world. And of course we need to do more of it. So that's what this is all, all about. This is my mission is for people to just treat yourself like a friend. That's all. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. And then be kind to others. Two questions. One, you mentioned a book about self-love that you had read and they had taught some elements to it. Who was, what was the name of that book? In the Louise Hay. And, 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 and to be clear for me, I have the books and, and I've read them. Um, and my, my wife has them. She's read more of them than I have. Uh, she has several books, but I, I got it from the video though. I, I did it from the video with some YouTube and they know more about us than we know about ourselves, right? Right. So boom, there it is in my feed. Right. But I watched it. And uh, and yeah, so get get the book or or watch it online. She's since deceased, she's passed. Um, maybe maybe she's back in some other form, or maybe she went to one of the other realms, if you believe in those. Um, so she's no longer with us, but an amazing teacher, amazing work. Louise Hay. Wow, that's awesome. Um, you ever hear, you've heard of Hay House, you know, the publishing company Hay yeah, House? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's her. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. She created it. By the way, she created, she shares the story and I might get ages and dates wrong, but she's like, I started my, my publishing company at 50 because we all think we can't do stuff when we get older. Right. I started my publishing company at 50. I started this something when I was 60 and then I started organic gardening or something at 70. Like she gives this whole thing. Mm -hmm. Like she just kept starting things. Yeah. We can start things later in life, folks. Yeah. You mentioned about the self-love summit. Okay. You've mentioned about some of the speakers, people that are listening right now, what can they expect to get from some of the speakers that are coming on there uh, to hear about what get, can you give us a little bit of just something to water our mouth with, you know, on, on what to expect from the summit. These are people who rewrote what success is mm -hmm. redefine success. We spoke about that at the beginning, work hard, then you're successful, then you're happy. So these are all people that discovered that doesn't work. Yeah and learned how to redefine it for themselves. And, you know, I can share my story. That's one way to do it. And yeah, I have my masterclass, join it. But maybe it's not right for everyone because we all talk, even though we say the same thing, sometimes it's semantics, slightly different words and languages and, and other people resonate. So these are amazing leaders, amazing teachers. But I want to be clear about what can you expect from it you can expect amazing stories, amazing tips, implementable tips. Is implementable a word? Is that the right word? Whatever. Implementable tips. If it's wrong, I'll forgive myself later. Uh, in knowledge. That's it. Now, if you choose to implement even one of these things, 
And we cover, we cover body and nutrition. We cover mindset. We cover money. We have Morgana Ray, uh, 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 Chelsea and, and, um, and Martin, uh, their last name. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Chelsea and Martin, your last name is escaping my head. I will forgive myself later for that. They know I love them. Um, money, we got the money side. Now you'll get the knowledge from amazing people. And don't tell anyone because it hasn't been announced yet, but this just in. Mary Gorefield, who was Tony Robbins' VP for 18 years, booked all his shows, knows everyone and everything. I did an interview where she's going to do a live with us on the Thursday, November 4th. She's going to be there live. Oh my God. You can't call her up. Yeah. She said yes to this. Wow. Because of what we're doing. You can expect if you implement even one tip, never mind if you choose two, three, four, or more, you can expect transformation of your life. Mm. They will share knowledge. It's up to you to put it into action. That's it. All I've shared today is knowledge, acceptance, gratitude, forgiveness, self-love. That's just knowledge. Now it's up to you to go to the mirror right now. You don't have to say, I love you. I couldn't do it when I first tried, but you can say one kind thing to yourself. One kind thing, that's it. Just say one kind thing. Yeah. Yeah. Jonathan, I am, I am just, I'm super excited. I can't wait to be not only a part of the summit, I'm truly honored to be a speaker, but also to be able to hear from all these people. Uh, I know Stormy, you know, and I don't know Mary personally, but of course, um, just a, a funny little story about me with Tony Robbins is in 2018, I kept on seeing Tony pop up on social media and I'm like, man, this dude just got this raspy voice and I can't listen to him. And he just must be really good at social media marketing because he's probably only been doing this for like the last year of his life. Okay. This is 2018. <laughs> okay. You laugh cause you know where I'm going with it. So my wife passes away in 2019 and in January and in March, I'm in Canada. I'm doing an evaluation on a dog training business there. And my brother calls me up. It's like, hey, man, I know you've really been wanting to have your business grow. And we're all about that. He's like, we need to go to this business mastery program. Um, and it's, it's like five days and it runs about $10,000. I'm like, okay. You know, I'm like, well, who is it by? He's like, Tony Robbins. I'm like, nope, can't do it. Can't get past his raspy voice. Dude probably <laughs> doesn't know what he's doing anyways, right? So my brother said, man, just trust me. Just trust me on this. I'm going to send you a link to the video for the promo and just, just with an open mind, listen to it. So he gets off the phone. He sends it to me. I immediately listen to it. And I says, oh my God. I said, this dude is like tugging on my heart. And I sat there in March and in, in Canada, okay? And I said, I will speak on the stage with Tony Robbins. Okay, I put it out there. That was March of 2019. Now, the business mastery was not until August of 19, okay? Then you know how you, you think saying sometimes or you type in something, now Big Brother's out there and every, everything on social media is about whatever you thought or typed in, you know? Um, everything starts to pop up about Tony Robbins being in different places. And he was going to be in Atlanta, Georgia in June at a Success Resources America uh, National Achievers, uh, Achievers Congress uh, two-day little deal, okay? And... I call my brother. I'm like, hey man, it's a two day deal. 
It's for it's fifteen hundred dollars for VIP tickets. Let's just pay the extra money. Let's get all the way up front. Let's get let's just get the access, man. You know, and so we did it, and so didn't think anything more about what I said in March. Okay, June comes. I'm in Atlanta with my brother. We're going in. It's the first day. It's the morning of the first seminar. Now we're like, we paid for the VIP tickets. I want to be up there front. I want to get as close. I didn't know what to expect with crowds. You know, Tony's normal events can run you know, anywhere from seven to 15,000 plus people. The other ones can run about, you know, five to 7,000. And so I really didn't know what to expect, but I'm like, I want to get up there front row, whatever I can. So as my brother and I are walking into the elevator, I said, Michael, mark my words. I'm going to speak on the stage with Tony Robbins. Okay. And needless that I know that seven hours later, I was speaking on the stage with Tony Robbins. And the way it happened was, Tony, the way he kind of does things is he gets people to be very interactive and he had us do this exercise about writing down our goals, dreams, and visions and what inhibits us from getting them uh, done and then what's constantly on our mind. And we do it for about 10 minutes. We're sharing with different people and then he comes back and he, you know, the music comes down and he walks down off a of stage. Now I am center stage. I am 15 feet from the, from the stage itself and he walks right up to me and says, young man, stand up, introduce who you are and tell us what you read. And I, I'm an extrovert. So if I have a chance to speak, I'm going to take it. <laughs> I don't need a microphone. God gave me one built in inside of me. Okay. And so I'm just like, man, this is my chance. This is my chance to share my story. And we went through the exercise and Tony was giving me feedback and things like that. And then I just, I, I had read what I, I wrote down and I said, Tony, I said, one of the things that I wrote down was to be a keynote speaker. I said, but in March, and then this morning I told my brother, mark my words. I says, I'm going to speak on the stage with you one day. And he looked at me, he's like, you're doing it right now. And I'm like, oh yeah, I am. <laughs> so that was my like, and I got to share my story about, um, for the next seven minutes, I got to share my story about the pain that I've gone through and losing my dad and my wife, and yet there's a purpose for it. And um, which, long story short, I end up, you know, meeting, I saw him after the stage afterwards, you know, because if you paid VIP, you got a picture with him. And he looked at me, he's like, I know who you are. And then he remembered me again in August, but I'm really good friends with his MC that's been an MC for him for 20 something years, Lauren Lahav. Um, and so it's neat to see that, but. I'm excited. I'm truly honored to be a part She's of it. She's in the summit. She is? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, I'm going to message her. Um, so, but I am, I'm truly honored to be on there. And listeners, you know, you guys know that I just don't have anybody on the show. I have people on the show that I can make a direct connection with, number one. Okay. And number two, if I know that if I can bring value out of them, it's valuable to me. I know it can be valuable to you guys. And knowing that Jonathan was in, was an individual that grew up in a pretty good home, even though he went through a divorce, but still had loving parents, and yet was very, as we define success, or as society defines success, was very successful, he still wasn't happy. And to go out on a journey, internal journey, and 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 not just find himself, but recognize what was going on so he could be happy. I wanted to bring this to you guys, and I deeply encourage you, not only just to share this episode and this, and this podcast, 
but go on to the Self Love Revolution Summit that's coming up in just a few more weeks, about three. No, well, from it's November 3rd, November 3rd through the 7th, 2021. So we're right around the corner. Oh my goodness, it's, it's faster it, than what I thought it was. If you're watching this years later, <laughs> afterwards, <laughs> go to selfloverevolution.com. Tons of stuff up there. But if you're, if you're watching, listening to this, um, before November 3rd, or even, you know, from November 3rd through November 7th, um, and we'll probably have stuff going on afterwards too, um, self-love revolution summit. And yeah, it's, it's going to be life-changing. That's, and that's, thank you. Thank you, Joseph, for sharing absolutely. The, the mission. Thank you. Absolutely. Jonathan, thank you so much for being on the show. I greatly appreciate it. So happy. Thank you for listening to the purpose through pain podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to finding true freedom and breakthrough.